Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Welcome to Bowling with Nolan, a podcast all about Invincible on Prime Video. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. What? what? I'm Pete. Yeah, the name of our podcast. I think it's, it's Bowling, Bowling, with Nolan. Nolan. Bowling with Nolan, right? That's yeah, what I just God. said. Definitely. No, I thought it was um, uh, hitting the mark. Oh, uh, we yeah, yeah, yeah. No, actually, I think it's Podvincible. Podvincible. That's the name of the pod, pa- podcast. We're going to be talking no. about Season 1, Episode 2, Here Goes Nothing. Now, requisite spoiler warning here. If you haven't watched the episode on Prime Video already, go watch it, check it out, because we're going to just talk about broad strokes and then our favorite moments, some of the big things that happen, and of course, all the comic book Easter eggs and other things going on here. Now, going into the second episode, we are picking up on the cliffhanger from the first episode where the Guardians of the Globe were killed by Omni-Man. Big surprise if you knew nothing about Invincible, but also big surprise if you knew something about the comic book because it become, it comes much earlier than it yeah. does in the comic book. It's much more blatant, so there's a lot more suspicion going on about Nolan in this episode. It's, it's very, he, very blatant is one yeah. way of saying it, for sure. Not a lot of uh, subtext there. Like, I saw yeah. what was happening. I got well, it. Well, it's surprising. I mean, it, just to break into this broad recap that I was doing, but it's surprising from the comic book perspective, because when you read those issues, even after he kills the Guardians of the Globe at about issue six or seven, as a reader, you still have this doubt of, well, why did he do that, though? Yeah. He seems Maybe like a nice guy. Maybe the bad guys. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But And it's very clear later on that, eh, no, <laughs> we won't ruin all of the surprises and things going on. Uh, but here, he's much more suspicious, much more dastardly. We get Cold this thing as over- ice. Yeah, over the course yeah. of the episode, we get these really fun attacks from a group of aliens that popped up throughout the run of the comic book. Uh, Justin, they're called the Flaxons, is that Flaxons, right? Flaxons, I believe, yes. Flaxons. Yep. And they age very quickly, so we get to see them attack the teen team, which is Adam Eve, Duplicate, uh, Rexplode, and Robot, which Robot. Invincible kind of teams up with over the course of the episode. We get to see them attack three times. The third time, Omni-Man heads to their dimension and rips it apart. And I don't yeah. remember the exact phrase he says at the end. Oh, yeah, I, I wrote it down. You don't seem to understand Earth isn't yours to conquer. And then he basically destroys the planet before he comes back. So in the second episode as well, they're really doubling down on the fact that Omni-Man... Not great. Not not exactly the super bad no. of the show, necessarily. Not a but, hero. But we do get a lot more of Invincible figuring himself out as a hero. What does it mean that he is a hero? He teams up, strikes up kind of a romance with Adam Eve, kind of a romance with Amber a little mm. bit, or at least she seems interested in him over at school. And we get more details about the world as we go on and meet a demon detective, which you had to like, Pete, right? Oh, yeah. Love the demon detective for sure. It's funny. That's the one part of this episode where I was like, what? It feels out of place. Well, yeah, sort of like he shows up and I'm like, oh, this feels like from a different whole team of heroes. Nothing on your radar. But then a demon shows up and you're like, wait a second. 
Yeah. Hold well, the phone. I don't I'm not following. A well, demon who's also a detective? <laughs> okay. Too many things. Hey, in my demons opinion. can be detectives too, all right? Watch yourself. Well, he does show up in the comic book, but the way that they designed yes. him there, he's much more blatantly the question from DC Comics. He's Rorschach from Watchmen. So I think they were the design is very different. He's much more blatantly like, I have demon face, talk like demon, me Clancy Brown, I think, is the voice, maybe. Nice. But, uh, you know, it, I understand what you're saying. It's definitely this random element that gets thrown in, and you're just supposed to go with it. You're just supposed to fly with it as you're going. I'd fly right along with it, yeah. Now, do you think he he investigates, like, Tom Hanks? Mm-hmm. If this were Da Vinci Code, like, uh, it's like the flip? Oh, like he, Demons and Angels is the name of his book? isn't Tom Hanks, I don't know, I've never watched or understood any of that stuff, but isn't Tom Hanks investigating demons? So this is like, no. this demon detective is after Tom Hanks? No, he kind of investigates like religious mysteries and stuff. Hmm. I'm just saying, is the demon detective having a hot, a white boy summer? <laughs> Ooh. This is You're doing too many things at the same time. <laughs> oh, how do you feel now? The demon detective, which is clearly too many things at the oh, same man. time. Well, oh, wow. You showed me. You showed me. Wow. Here goes that something. Let's talk about this episode. That was the prestige. I, I, I think just, pulled prestige just to take a step back for the demon detective for a second, we were all pretty positive about the first episode. I think we liked it. How are you feeling going into episode two? Pete? Well, I definitely uh, am still having fun. Um, it's... There's a lot of like we're kind of splintering off. There's a lot more differences now from the comics, but uh, it's uh, still kind of keeping the core. Uh, I think Invincible is kind of so far the unchanging thing. Uh, but yeah, I'm very much enjoying myself. And uh, the the voice of the one eyed uh, alien, I was super happy about that reveal. I thought that was a lot of fun. Wait, who did the voice of the one eyed alien? Seth Rogen. Oh, uh, okay. That was really uh, a hilarious choice. Like he's producing it, he get to like call it, be like, "Oh, I want to do this voice." You know, it's probably like in the the rider somewhere or something. It was well, like, and the interesting thing is, Seth Rogen is still working with Evan Goldberg on a live action film version of Invincible. At the same time, they're two unrelated projects. So I don't know Seems how related. they got Seth Rogen Seems at all. Related. Seems related. I mean, <laughs> yeah. talk about a guy that figured out how to do cool stuff in this entertainment business. Like Seth Rogen yeah. and Evan Goldberg, like, man, they get to do all the same stuff that we would do if we were, um, had millions and millions of dollars and the favor of Hollywood. And they just make it good. Like this show yeah. is good. I would love to see an invincible movie is at the same time. And what I, what I think is so great about the show is every show should be a comic book first. Let it mis- like boil in the creator's brain for, you know, more than a decade and then write the episode because what, what Kirkman does and what their team does is it's meticulous. Like the way that the Flaxons come in here, they're an instant supervillain for invincible because of the time difference. So this guy comes back with like, even though invincible has just started being a hero, he's got a guy that spends his entire life trying to kill him in this other dimension comes through. And then they flip it again where the, because the Flaxons had all this time to figure out how to beat the teen team, it leaves Invincible on his own to have to fight them at the very end and then saved by his dad. It's just really smartly setting up these pieces in a way that, like, I don't think you do unless you've been really thinking about 
these characters for years. Well, it's also funny because it's a it's a bit in the comic book. They come yeah. in, they attack, mm-hmm. they immediately get turned around because they turn old for whatever reason. It's just a recurring comedy bit, and they're not a real threat. But to your point, Justin, over the course of this episode, they do become a real threat. They do yeah. double down on emotionally what's happening with Invincible, and it is. It's really fun and nice to see. Yeah. It's meticulous, just really smart thinking, and I really love – because it also got to be a comedy bit too. It got to be funny for a large portion of it and then very serious by the end. Um, And it's just – I was really impressed with this episode. Speaking of running bits, let's talk about the beginning of the episode because the first episode started with this very weird conversation between two White House guards, which we follow up on this episode with one of those White House guards bonding with his son, going on the trip that they were talking about in the first episode. What's your impression of this? What is going on here? It's a fun bit. It's a fun bit. And maybe that's it. And like – and may, I don't know how it'll pay off. Maybe there'll be something at the very end of the season where this this father son uh, duo are involved in something. But the trash bag lands um, near there in France, and it comes back to the, the Invincible through last episode, right? And it lands yeah. here in this episode. Like that's a fun. They're going to be orbiting Invincible's adventures. I think through this whole se- season, it's great. Pete, it you reminds you wanted to say something. Yeah, it just reminds me of the cabbage guy and, uh, you know, in uh, what you call it there? In, uh, in Avatar. In your Avatar. supermarket. Oh, okay. yeah. yes, uh, Avatar. Okay. In Avatar. Yeah, That's you, a fun running bit. Yeah. But you were pretty close with your cabbage guy at your local supermarket as well, Pete, right? Oh, very close. Very close. Yeah. Um, Pete walks in and he's like, hey, you got any red today? Yeah. <laughs> and, and he goes, you for the... you, Pete, come on. Of course I got the red. <laughs> And they call you the Cabbage Patch Kid, right? Over there? No, that's right. That's right. Um, I I was a, a huge Cabbage Patch Kid head. Anyways, so I also like <laughs> wow. that at the start of the Big this reveal. Bit, big, quick thing to move on from there. Uh, yeah. uh, also, was your Cabbage saying kid. that, given that cabbage are heads of cabbage, and then you said you're a Cabbage Patch Kid head. I don't know. That's There's right. something about that phrasing there that I feel like could be smoothed off a bit. And let me just say oh, real quick. I'll work on it for next show, then. Cabbage Patch Kids were like... Uh, dolls, famously, in like the 80s mm-hmm. and 90s. Sure, sure, sure. What sure. was your doll's name, Pete? Really? Do you remember? Susan, yeah, of course I do. Why? Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson. <laughs> that's right. I had the birth certificate to prove it, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, that's what's hanging over your shoulder on your wall there, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, Justin, did you have a Cabbage Patch Kid? I didn't, but we had one at the house that was sort of like Oh, it was just at the house. It wasn't anybody's, really. Okay, yeah, yeah. My sister glommed on to it a little bit. Um, It it was named Emery, and my sister Uh fed it a pee, and it had a pee in its head for a long time. So (laughs) got a pee in there, I don't know. Mine was, and again, this was from the birth certificate, so I didn't change it. Mine was named Dickie Francis. Wow. (laughs) Dick Man. Francis, huh? What an innocent time. What an innocent time that was. <laughs> Dickie Frank. That's the name of Pete's cabbage guy, Dickie Frank. Yeah, yeah hey, Dickie Frank. Pete, yeah. it's me, Dickie Frankies. Look hey, at me. I was born cabbage in a cabbage. cabbage. Let me know. I got the best head of cabbage. You're going to make a fantastic Man, slow, my man. If- on this podcast, we found out my Cabbage Patch Kid grew up and sold cabbages to Pete. <laughs> that would be wow. wild. We that should do an Ancestry.com on all of our Cabbage Patch kids. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see anyways, if there's a relation I'll, there. 
what I like about this uh, opening bit is also reestablishing like the <laughs> swearing, so or letting people know this isn't like a normal cartoon. This is going to get violent. There's going to be curse words. So I'm glad they do that up front at the top of each show. It makes me happy. Yeah. Uh, another big change from the comic that I think we should talk about, or at least something that's moved forward in a significant way, is we meet Cecil Stedman and the rest yeah. of... I mean, it's not exactly the support staff for the Guardians of the Globe, but it's certainly this organization that works with them, worked with Omni-Man, worked with the other heroes. I thought this was very interesting because Cecil and company are introduced relatively late in the comic. I think it's issue 12 or 13 or something like that. It makes sense to throw them in here, but it definitely changes what's going on with the character. As fans of the book, what did you think about Cecil in this? What did you think about everything that was going on with that aspect of the show? I think well, it makes sense. It feels like they're moving everything up uh, to happen faster because I think we're going to get, mm-hmm. if I had to predict, a very big fight at the end of this first season, um, the the big one that I think, I don't want to spoil it, but that we all can sort of feel coming even now watching this uh, the, the TV show. Um, so mm-hmm. it makes sense to have Cecil there because I think he's going to um, end up becoming a big bigger part of the show. Uh, also, I'm a, a little surprised that, you know, uh, when a detective, a demon detective shows up, and then you fight to like you know clear the room so that demon can, detective can do its thing, and then it tells you what it found, you're going to dismiss it so easily. Like I was a little, I felt like that was a little weird on Cecil's part, but uh, otherwise, I thought it was a solid intro. I liked how they did it in this version. Yeah. Uh, What about the teen team? Because we get to meet them this episode as well. Significantly, the voice cast is super fun. Uh, Oh, yeah. You got Jason Manzoukas. Yeah, Jason Manzoukas is Rex Splode. It is funny to see him, hear him as Rex Splode because his voice um, is just so, it stands out so much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing actually that I wanted to point out about that, and I don't remember whether we talked about this on the last podcast, but when I was talking to Robert Kirkman, I talked to him about the casting for the show, uh, which I thought was interesting. Certainly, the the uh, the initial comic was not very diverse. It wasn't. It was very white. Yeah. It was very straight. There's a couple of jokes that are super clunkers now. And he owned up to it when I talked to him about it. And he said, yeah, I mean, we were a couple of white guys in our 20s who were creating a comic book for Image Comics. That's what happens. So looking back on it now, we wow. needed to revisit that and we did need to change that and be more progressive about it. So they started with diversifying the cast uh, and tried to match the actors to what they were doing with the parts. So, uh, for example, Jason Madzukas is a part that was, I believe, initially a Caucasian part. Um, and they changed that for the show, found the right actor for it, vice versa. You know, the best example, I think, is Amber, who is white and blonde in the comic books. And here she's played by Zazie Beetz. They started saying, no, we're going to make Amber African-American. They designed the character, tweaked it a little when Zazie Beetz came on board to make it look a little bit more like her. Um, But that actually started behind the scenes before they even started casting things, which I thought is a cool little detail. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's it's good to just come forward when you're like, ah, we may sort of did this, uh, did a bad job here. Let's do, do better now and then do it. And honestly, it's so much better. Like having all these characters um, across the board, just from a voice perspective is awesome. And actually just to mention, Zachary Quinto is doing the voice of robot and he is an actual robot, which is very cool. 
That's 100%. Like, one of the few robot act, truly great robot mm-hmm. actors. Yes. Um, Come on, dude. He was classically trained by Robot Shakespeare. Now, Pete, you are our romance expert on not just this podcast, but every podcast that we do. How are you feeling about this burgeoning love triangle between Adam Eve, Mark Grayson, and Amber? Well, it's tough because uh, right now you kind of you're pulling for Amber because she seems uh, like a nice person who's maybe into Mark. Um, and Eve in this, and correct me if I'm wrong, in the comics, she wasn't dating uh, Manzukis's character. I feel like that's a new kind of thing they're adding to this. Yes, no, she was. they were dating. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they were. Oh, okay. It's just yeah, honestly, uh, I see why you you f- don't remember that Pete because it, in the comic, it's for sort of uh, doesn't last very long before um, okay. things uh, perhaps change. Um, we'll see what they do here. Yeah, we're bouncing around spoilers at this point, in case that wasn't clear. But yeah. but yeah, they definitely do date. It is a complication. It is something that happens. Um, That's the I, problem with having such an endearing actor do the voice, because not like before, couldn't care less. But now I'm like, oh, I hope he's going to be all right. You know, before, not a concern. Really? Jason Manzukis? Yeah, the guy's great. You know, he's you think, no, he is work. great, but like he very purposely, in a great way, always plays the asshole character. Like that's yeah. definitely yeah. what he's I'm playing not here. He's for his character. That the problem is, it's because it's that voice actor. You, he's that likable asshole a little bit. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So normally, you'd be like douchebag, get out of there, Eve. What are you doing? <laughs> but uh, you know, but you like you like the asshole. Yeah. What about the rest of the teen team? We, you know, we get a sense of Rex Blood. We certainly find out a lot about Adam Eve. We meet Robot. We don't get much on Duplicate. She's just mm-hmm. sort of there. Uh, but any other impressions about them and their scenes? Uh, I like, you know, it, it's hard to separate all of the knowledge that we have from reading the comic because we know so much about um, about this team um, as they go forward. So it was really nostalgic, honestly, uh, seeing this. And it's a fun it's a fun team uh, to see at work, and the fact that Invincible really falls in with them in this episode, I thought was was cool. Yeah, I agree. No. What about the stuff with Debbie and Nolan? You know, we get we talked about this a little bit on the last episode, but one of the things that I think the series is doing really well, particularly when you have an actress like Sandra Oh on board, is taking Debbie, giving her more stuff to work with, meteor scenes. She's not just there being the happy slash depressed homemaker that she wasn't necessarily in the early issues of the comic book. Um, what's your take on the relationship so far and just that aspect of the show? I like the way it's played here where she's like so concerned at the beginning of the episode when he's injured and in the hospital and doesn't know what yeah. to do. And then later when he vanishes into the other dimension, she's like, nah, he'll be home. I'm not worried about that. So like <laughs> that sort of back and forth between like, no, being sort of the the veteran um, wife um, at home in the relationship, like really is you see both sides of it in a very specific way. Yeah, it's cool. And I agree. Having that kind of uh, actor portray that is nice because they get to kind of expand the role. And it's something that wasn't explored in the comic enough. So it's nice to kind of see it here. And I think it's done well. I'm looking forward to more. But it's also a little frustrating because mom seems really together like. Uh, how do you not know you're married to a psychopath? You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, what other moments do you guys want to call out? Certainly there's a lot of well, fun things that happen throughout the episode. Yes, Pete. The thing that bothered me was the 
uh, Invincible not really taking in the Vexens. Like, it became this thing of, like, in the comics, it's more of a joke. But in this, like, when a villain with the scar takes one last look around before it goes into his portal, that means I'm coming back and you better be ready. Like, how are you not getting that? You know what I mean? Like, I know you're new at the superhero game, but that seems 101. Like, you got to be like, hey, we need to be ready for when they come back. They mysteriously just disintegrated, but that probably won't happen again. You know, I was a well, but little... That's- I understand what you're saying, but two things there. One, robot sets up an early warning detection system, so they are prepared there. Two, that's not that's invincible. We, you know, through the comic book, and I think they're actually doing a good job of this in the show as well. Invincible is just a cool dude superhero, just kind of happy nah. to be there and fight some stuff. Sure, sure, he's sure. Not, like well, he's not a detective. He's not. I don't. I'm not he's saying not he's a not demon, a smart guy. He's not a he's, detective. Okay, all right, but all that, all that coolness aside, if someone with the scar does the last look around, you're just going to be like, whatever, man. People he's not a big are... thinker. That's what I'm saying. And this is not meant as an insult. He's just a guy who's like, I'm strong. I am invincible. I can fly. Those are the things I could do. My strengths are literally strengths. So that's what I'm going to concentrate on. I'm not going to figure things out in a big way all the time. And that's the okay. real hero. The real hero of Invincible is Demon Detective. And honestly, I bet the show will change its name mm-hmm. and thus our podcast will change Slowly. its name yeah. very soon. Right. Um, what I want to talk about, uh, pod we didn't really de- touch on... Podtectives. Podtectives? Podtective. That's good. Ooh, I yeah. like that. I like that. We'll, uh, we'll workshop it. Yeah. Um, the, um, the, the way that they're doing the Amber Romance and the... Um, Potentially an Adam Eve romance here at the same time. Is, you love is, a good triangle. You're all about love triangles. But it's interesting. Like um, Invincible seems like he's he's got too much going on, so he's not as you don't really feel him in the middle here. It's just like you get a lot of looks from uh, from Amber. You get Adam Eve being like they have a little montage in this episode. Um, because if I remember correctly, in the comics, it's very much. Amber romance, um, and then there's something happening maybe with Adam Eve later. So like the same time thing is is a bit of a roller coaster. Yeah, it's a little stressful. Well, Pete, what about you? Any other moments jump out at you that you would like to mention from the episode? Oh sure. Um, oh great. Yeah, <laughs> glad to hear it. Uh, Take your let's time. See here. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, let me, I'm just scrolling through here. Just if we want to fill through. the gap, we haven't talked yeah. about Alan the Alien yet. No, we haven't. We had, I honestly completely oh. forgot about that in the middle of everything okay. else. Uh, this is another great thing directly from the comic. They play it in a slightly different way, but it kind of plays out the same way. And super fun. Just a fun sequence. I love the concept of how they do space and talking in space in the comic yeah, and yeah. in the show. It's very fun and very unique. Um, I like it quite a bit. What was your take, Justin? I, I thought it was cool as well. I mean, it, it's funny the um, in the way it's played here, where it feels a- extra. It, it pushes forward the, the Nolan story a little bit, where he's like, "Now you go deal with this." Like he's like a, sort of a, a cold bit of a jerk about it, and I think that that's a nice um, way of wrapping this scene up. And then just as seeing Alan the alien, he's an iconic one-eyed dude. A lot of one-eyed aliens in this episode. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I really enjoyed having Seth Rogen do the do the voice there, and so uh, and the, the just the owl, my eye 
was uh, just such a well-delivered line. It just sums up that character really well. And I like the fact that, like, they go from, like, uh, punching to talking, and then they all uh, classic, uh, you know, move, like, oh, I got the wrong planet. I thought that was really kind of a fun moment and kind of in the midst of all the stressfulness. Um, because when Omni-Man doesn't give a fuck about Maya, I don't know why everybody doesn't just jump up and be like, who are you, psycho? Like, there, he's just cold as ice and nobody notices because he's a dad. Like, how does that be okay? Well, I mean, you've you got to trust your Superman. You're going to have a superhero. Like, you're probably going to trust him. Right? I mean... I guess that's what's ingrained in us, but it's like, you know, the fact that everybody's just kind of taking it for granted here is a little, uh, it's a little tough, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, one other thing I want to talk about real quick um, is yeah. um, the very end, like we get, we, you mentioned it before, like there were Cecil, the demon detective, um, and he says the killer's in the room. Um, yeah. And so that's putting that out there. And then in the, a couple scenes before that, um, we get uh, Nolan lying to Cecil about um, what happened. And we know it's a lie. Yeah. Um, but Cecil doesn't know that. Sure but, do. But Debbie sort of feels like maybe she knows notices. Did yeah. you think that? Yeah, it did feel like that. And, and which is making me excited because, uh, you know, somebody's got to start catching on to the fact that he's lying left and right. And for somebody who's so strong... Uh, and so powerful, it doesn't seem like he's very good at kind of juggling all these lies or whatever. Um, so hopefully that kind of comes crumbling down sooner rather than later. Uh, but the fact that the the mom catches them uh, just before the dad's about to punch the son again, you know yeah. what I mean? And like the mom calls that out. I'm really hoping that's foreshadowing of like mom's going to be like, Yo, your dad's a fucking psychopath, you know? And so, uh, very, like, the editing, the timing of that moment was really awesome on the show. Well, and I think even if she, like, I don't think she'll just, like, come out and be like, this guy, my husband, who I love, we have to get him. I think it'll be much more like, hey, Nolan, um, what's up? It feels like you're lying to everyone and being mean to (laughs) our son now. Um, Yeah. And, uh... Oh, go ahead, Alex. No, I was just going to say uh, if there were any other moments before we wrapped up here. Pete? Uh, yeah, I'm glad we get in the music interlay with action moments. That's a nice thing that happened from the first that we're seeing in the second. Hope that continues. That's a lot of fun. And let's wrap this up then with our invincible moment of the episode. Justin, you want to kick it off? What was your invincible moment of the episode? The invincible moment. Um, I think um, for me, it was when Invincible knows that um, at the in the third Flaxen invasion, when he's the key um, to uh, to sort of at least stalling them until Omni Man gets there. But you see the the rest of the team team go down. And you really feel like, oh, he he can be a hero. Um, and that feels like his first real moment where it's like he's got this and you feel like, oh, he's going to be on this team team probably pretty soon. There's a place for him here. And uh, it really puts gets you confident in him um, just <laughs> as a viewer and as a fan, I feel like. Pete, what about you? Invincible got- moment of the episode? 
I got to say the whole Maya thing was uh, my invincible moment of the episode just because it really shows that Mark is completely different from his father. He cares. He's learning about the effects of just like uh, his powers and the uh, the collateral damage and all that kind of stuff. So I feel like that's kind of like uh, uh, it was a really powerful moment and I feel like really says a lot about who the character Invincible is. For me, it's got to be when he's on the moon, he's just beaten, quote unquote, beaten Alan the alien, and he leaves and he just looks at the earth and says, wow, cool, which is right out of the comic book. And it just tells you so much you need to know about Invincible as a character, about the show that they take these fun little moments here. It's great. I loved how that was executed. And folks, that is it. If you'd like to support this podcast and other podcasts, we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out and chat about Invincible. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show, particularly on iTunes. Please leave us a rating and a comment. We appreciate those so much. Comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, keep hitting those strikes and spares, because we're bowling with Nolan. Oh, boy. As always, shouts to Reggie Jackson, Dickie Francis, and of course, Emery with a P in the head.